1: conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The
0: Fan. Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN New York.
2: Hi everybody and Rick. Welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Now, on today's show, I want to do a, an overview of where we are with sports parenting, and I need your help. Now, as you know, I, I always look to focus on timely and important issues and trends when it comes to our kids in sports. But in preparing for this morning's program, I started to think about. Well, the long-term implications of where we are today. Now, let me explain, and as I go through this, you'll you'll see I'm, I'm pretty worked up about this. I'm concerned, and I think you should be as well. Over the last few years, something has happened with youth and amateur sports, and it's something, quite frankly, that is not good. I keep seeing all sorts of articles and video accounts of sports parents and fans, being totally out of control at our kids' games. I read about reports where refs and umpires are being physically threatened by angry parents. There are more games, even at the middle school level, that are being upstaged by fights. Even high school coaches don't see any issue, uh, for example, in suiting up themselves and putting themselves into a JV game, which I discussed the other day. So my question to you is, what in the world is going on? And actually, more specifically, what's going to happen next? Where do we go from here? What are youth sports going to be like 10 years into the future in this country? And yeah, friends, I'm going to get your thoughts about this. You think, well, 10 years from now, that's the year 2033. That's, that's a long ways off, but it isn't. Because looking back the other way, 2013 – That was 10 years ago, but, you know, it was just different then. The issues that were beginning to plant themselves as seeds 10 years ago have now begun to sort of germinate and take root, and now they're coming back to really haunt us as sports parents and coaches and educators. This is a real concern, and I just think every passing day, it gets more and more out of control. Our number, of course, you know, is 877-337-6666. I'd like to hear from you about this because I do think this is a universal concern for all sports parents. Now, look, sure, you might argue that the the so-called nuttiness of youth sports, well, it's being made more aware to all of us because everybody has a cell phone these days where they can take photos and video. And when something bad happens, it's all caught on a cell phone. And, of course, it then gets launched and it goes viral immediately. But while that may, may be part of the issue, what concerns me even more is that sports parents today just seem to have to develop a sense of entitlement. Now, entitlement, we've discussed many times in the show, that, that parents somehow feel that they are allowed to use profanity and make verbal threats. I mean, after all, what's the worst that can happen to that parent if they are loud and obnoxious at a kid's game? Now... We've talked about new legislation, which is making the rounds in New Jersey, Connecticut, some other states as well, to put some real, some real teeth into those individuals who break the law by being out of control at kids' games. But I do worry whether all of this may be a case of too little too late. That is, that, that sports fans and sports parents today have very little regard or for respect, for civility, or for sportsmanship, Hey, look, maybe it's just me. After all, I realize I'm sort of at the, uh, the epicenter of all this, and I do get reports and incidents sent to me all the time. But that being said, i got to tell you, I'm worried. I'm worried that maybe we have, as a society, have gone too far in terms of allowing abhorrent behavior at our kids' games. That parents today feel that if they want their kid to be a star... Well, then, as a parent, being pushy and a bit aggressive is just the way it is in youth sports. There's no need to apologize to anyone. That is, you understand that that's the accepted way for your kid if he or she wants to get ahead in the world of sports. And that's, that's really what I want to hear from you about today. I mean, I, I, are you sensing the same kind of thing that I am, that this is sort of getting more and more out of control? And again, along those lines, what will youth sports, what will they be like 10 years from now, in the year 2033? <laughs> Look, I know, I know this all sounds a little bit like science fiction, especially because so much has been changing so rapidly over the last few years. So let's ask ourselves, as, as the rewards of being a top athlete continue to grow and escalate, won't sports parents start to want to have their kid begin their particular sport at even a younger age than they are now? Will will that basically get sports parents to to push their kids to get them onto even more elite travel and club teams at earlier ages? For those families who, quite frankly, can't afford these expensive travel teams, well, other kids just cut and their dream is now over because they can't financially go on to the next level? This is happening already now. What happens in five or ten years from now? NIL didn't exist until three years ago. Well, NIL is here now. And the fact is, every day we pick up another headline story about NIL and how it's, you know, reverberating at the collegiate and even at the high school level. And nobody's able to control this. Nobody seems to have an idea of how to get this straightened out. They have some sort of mandate as to keep an eye on this. So it's, again, you know the expression, it's the wild, wild west, and we're seeing these accounts of high school kids and college kids making a lot of money on NAL. You can say they're entitled to it, that's fine, but the fact is it's having all sorts of unexpected repercussions uh, throughout youth and amateur sports. Of course, will there be enough, uh, you know, referees and, and game officials Uh, over the next uh, few years. We already know they're dropping off more and more and more, and it's become a real issue, and and nobody seems to have a solution for this either. Or will we just see more more kids who think they are top athletes? Are they just going to basically opt for travel and club teams as opposed to playing for their high school team? We've been seeing this for a few years now because – Most high schools will say to the kid, if they're a talented athlete, choose between playing for your high school squad or play for your travel or club team, you can't do both. But now we're going to start saying, again, especially if there are fewer refs to work high school games, we may just – and there's more pressure on kids to perform and move up the ladder in sports – the parents might just say, look, you know what? It's nice to play high school sports with your friends, but if you really want to get to the next level and be an elite player or play in college or play pro, you got to go play for a club team. Forget high school sports. That's just uh, for fun, fun games. You've got to be serious about your sport. So, yeah, I think that's a concern. And along those same lines, will we see in the next uh, five to ten years more high school coaches? Will they just leave to coach uh, travel and club teams as well? Teams that are outside the high school. Why? Well, coaches will tell you, quite frankly, that usually it's paid a lot more money, they work their own hours, uh, they, they basically have more control over what the team's doing, and, and it's just a different kind of mindset, and quite frankly, most of the athletes are better than the kids in high school. So the high school coach might say, you know what? This is silly. I don't want to have to be, be, you be know, tied down by all the administrative stuff and rules and, and regulations of coaching high school. I'll just coach my own travel and club team. Yeah, that's a real possibility. And yes, it's already happening all over the country. Look, these are just a few of the, of the main and key issues that are going to have to be addressed. And if they aren't, amateur sports are really going to be left to their own devices. Yeah, you've heard me say this a thousand times. We definitely need a commissioner of youth sports. I mean, I've said that for years now. The truth is it goes a lot farther than that. We really need some real direction, guidance, and instruction on how to be a sports parent. And, and um, yeah, I, I, I just honestly believe that we're going to have to figure this out sooner rather than later. I mean, it's as simple as that because it's it's all beginning to snowball and cascade. Again, put it in perspective. Where were sports like you know uh 10 years ago 15 years ago and where we're we going in the next 10 years let me, let me give you an example personal story when my son john was a, a freshman in high school uh he was a good ball player and he was playing uh in on the varsity squad as a freshman as a shortstop and now he got up to the uh, to bat in a game and he struck out on a called third strike now he's a, he's a young teenager so frustrated John must have blurted out a bad word in anger as he stalked away from the plate. Well, <laughs> the home plate umpire heard that bad word, and he immediately ejected John from the game. You can't use profanity when you're playing a high school sport. Well, under the league rules, high school league rules, being ejected from that one game also meant that John would be out and ejected for the next game as well. Again, this is around the year 2000 or so, and zero tolerance was more in effect and more accepted. Anyway, the bottom line is John was a kid. He was obviously eager to want to do well as a freshman on the baseball team at the high school level, and he struck out looking. That was bad enough, but then he he said something he shouldn't have said. The umpire heard it, and, and he tossed him. It was indeed a very tough lesson for my son to learn, but he learned it for life because he hadn't controlled his emotions. When things didn't go his way, he ended up paying the price. And I no, I, you know, I was at the game, of course, I was watching. I didn't scream or yell at the umpire or make any threats or wait for the umpire in the parking lot after the game. That stuff just, just didn't do stuff like that. It wasn't done. Was I disappointed for my son? Of course. But that wasn't the point. This was more of how this was going to be a teaching moment that if John ever wanted to continue to play baseball, then he needed to keep his emotions under control when things didn't go his way. And that was the essence. That was the takeaway. So, again, he struck out on a, on a pitch, whatever. He said something he should have said. He got tossed for that game of the following. Okay. But the point is the, long, the long-term impact he got, he understood, and he kept his emotions under control. And, look, I'm no saint. And, again, this was something like 20 years ago. I felt badly for my son. I felt badly for his team. But I certainly had no reason to want to get into the ump's face or to threaten him. No, just the opposite. I was disappointed that my boy hadn't learned how to control his emotions. And let's face it, the umpire was just doing his job. But these days, I'm not so sure what would have happened. Again, fast forward to the year 2023. Here's a quick snapshot of some of the issues that sports parents and coaches have to really think about and think about hard. I mean, the last few weeks, number one, parents of a top soccer player, weren't pleased at their son's playing time uh, in, the, in the World Cup for the United States. So the parents decided to get back at the head coach by informing the U.S. Soccer Federation that the head coach kicked his wife more than 30 years ago. So why do these soccer parents do that? Well, I guess in the hope of getting the coach fired, which he was. Really? Is that, is that the way we want our kids to learn these lessons in terms of playing time? More recently, a top uh, college basketball player at the University of Alabama, he apparently gave a handgun to his teammate, who in turn gave it to the gun to another friend, who then used it to shoot and kill a woman. That first basketball player, the star at Alabama, who owns the gun, well, he's been allowed to continue to play basketball all during all this uh, through the police investigation. No discipline, no nothing. School says, well, that's, just, that's, how, that's how the law is written. Okay, but somebody, somewhere has to say to this kid, you understand you shouldn't be having a gun in the first place. You're 18 years old. Going on, the NFL announced that the number of recorded concussions went up substantially this past football season. What the NFL did not say is that there simply remains no clear way to prevent football players from suffering concussions. Again, I'll say that again, there is no way to prevent football players of any age from suffering a concussion. So if your kid's going to play football, I don't care what kind of uh, high-tech helmet they have, whatever kind of preventive headgear they have, there's no way to prevent a concussion. It's as simple as that. And apparently they went up this past season. Major League Baseball's biggest rule chain is the the so-called pitch clock. They all make it sound as though this is some sort of a dramatic and new breakthrough. But the truth is, Every ball player in the history of the game has always preferred to play with pitchers who get the ball back from the catcher and are ready to throw the next pitch. Nobody wants to wait around, especially when it's cold. So anyhow, and of course, there are the endless incidents of sports parents feeling no shame at screaming at profanities at refs or umpires or even getting the coach's face at the end of each game. My question is, when does all this madness finally come to an end? And I'm, I'm concerned, and quite frankly, I think you should be as well. All right. Let's talk about what your feelings are about this because I, I want to get a sense of, of the landscape. Give me a call. 877-337-6666. When I return, we'll go to your calls. Stay with
1: me. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
3: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: A lot of parents out there are definitely believers in their kids' athletic uh, abilities. But again, we're talking about what's going to happen to the sports and our kids uh, by the year 2033, just 10 years from now. I know it sounds like a long ways away, but it's not. And, and yeah, there are trends, there are themes that are, that are sort of circulating around. That, that we have to pay attention to. Look, let's be very candid about this. Just because a sport is popular now or was popular 10 years ago, there's no guarantee that sports to be popular 10 years into the future. Sports are, are, are living entities and they, they grow uh, according to how many kids are attracted to them for a variety of reasons. I mean, look, we know that traditionally 70% or so of most kids Most kids, 70%, will quit playing organized sports when they turn 13. That stat has been around for decades, and it's still pretty true, though. But these days, I'm beginning to sense that kids begin to think that they aren't on the fast track to stardom when they are 9 or 10. Well, why why bother playing the sport? They just walk away. Who wants to be just a player on the team if you can't be the star? And in fact, kids say, look, I got other things to do, other uh, other things I'm attracted to doing. So the kids walk away from sports even before they reach adolescence, where, as we all know, everything changes dramatically. That's not the way it should be, but yet that seems to be the way in which we're headed. Because parents today all feel that for some reason that they have somehow more insight, better instincts, a better idea of how they can get their kid onto the, the, the guaranteed fast track to start them, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that the parents want to start the kids at younger and younger ages. Nobody cares anymore about giving kids a chance just to go out and experiment and try various sports when they're five, six, seven, eight. No, we're getting my kid in that one sport right away because that's going to give him or her a leg up on all the others. And that's that sounds like, well, that's the way to go, but it doesn't work out that way. It's totally, totally complicated. It has nothing to do with time what age your kid starts. All right, let's let's get some calls here sixty six sixty six I do want to start with jack uh, Jack Smithlin over in Farallon Jack good morning um, what do you think about ten years from now pal what's going to happen
4: <laughs> well here's what I hope for, okay I hope that there are some arrests. I hope that there's some uh, jail term time, and I hope there's some big time fines because hopefully that will set precedent, and people will start to understand that. We now are using a zero tolerance. You know, I hope that that New Jersey passes that law that it's zero tolerance, that there will be arrest in, in in outbreaks in in high school games and and youth games. I think that's very very important. You know, getting back to it, you know, I've read. Thousands of books, I mean, it's maybe not thousands, but I've read so many books on the mental game and, and you know, the be- one of the best I've ever read was yours, The Secrets of Sports Psychology mm-hmm. Revealed, but I'm going to tell you, your book on the sports parenting edge, yeah. it's home. I mean, it is seriously, um, when I go out and do my symposiums on sports parenting and sports psychology for youth, you know... I I reference you, you're, I'd say right at the beginning of it is that most of the information that I'm going to be talking to you about, I've lived as a parent and a coach, of course, but I've read in your book. And, you know, and there are many books out there, but, you know, the thing that I like about you is you take a kid from T-ball age and bring them right up into the college age and you and you guide the parents. I mean, it's a guide on what to do and how to react. You know, the thing that you talked about your son, John, the lesson learned was given was by the umpire. You know, that was a lesson. That was the opportunity to create the, uh, a chance for learning a lesson. Okay. And he did. And I've said to you a thousand times on the radio. And even when we talk personally that listen, most of the lessons that I've learned the hard way were the ones that fit in, that that sunk in deep, and John learned the lesson the hard way. You know, Jack, not only that game, he was out for the
2: second game. Jack, you know, that's, and, that's let me just stop there because I I, I that's I, I had to make a decision again. I had to make a decision. I'm just another another sports parent. I'm watching this. Obviously, I don't want my kid to get kicked out of a baseball game. But he did, because sure, exactly. he, he, he broke the rules, and he had to know, as a freshman, you can't use bad language in a high school game.
0: Exactly.
2: I had to make a choice. Do I either, A, you know, wait till later on, he comes home after the game, he's, he's obviously disappointed, he's upset, so on and so forth, and then basically explain to him, you know, this is a teaching moment, uh, and, and have a conversation with him about it, or... Do I do what a lot of sports parents do, just get on top, uh, you know, and, and start screaming and yelling at the umpire and and you know, <laughs> make, make threats at him, wait for him in the parking lot? I mean, what does that do? That doesn't do anything. That just basically says a, sends a message to my son that when things don't go your way, you have every right you are entitled to go and wait for the umpire in the parking lot. I mean, this is not yeah. how sports are played, you know, and that's the problem. No. So, but You know, it, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead, John.
4: Go ahead. No. With, with you and in your book, you know, you said, do I? Do I confront my son? And based on your book, and I know that you follow this path and this pattern, is you didn't do it on the way home. You waited and let it sink in a little oh, bit yeah, with yeah, him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, him, of course. Let him think about. It. Parents don't do that. No, you before can't. you're in the car, they're scolding you and yelling at you and, and screaming at. Why did you do that? And you know, I came to watch you, and you get up thrown
2: out in the first inning. What are you kidding me? The, you uh, gotta let them let it sink in. You know, let it sink okay. in. and let it percolate because you just said you did that. You did that exactly. post game analysis in the car right home after a while, the kids are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to play baseball or the sport anymore because it's too painful to deal with my father. So that's, that's what happens. You know, we could, we, could,
4: we could talk about this all day, and I'm going to just leave you with one thing. There are two types of parents that everybody knows. Okay, there they're called the bulldozer parent and the helicopter parent. The bulldozer parent will will knock you out of the way to get what's best for their son, not and and not caring about anything that they do. Right. The helicopter parent is the one who hovers over their kid and makes sure that everything is going the right way. But then I have a third parent and I've used this a couple of times and I don't think I've ever mentioned it on your show. It's called when I came up with this, I believe, because I've never heard it before. But it's a submarine parent. A submarine parent is that one who sits right below the water line And you know what? They're the nicest people in the world. They want to be your friend until you cross their kid. And then what they do is <laughs> yeah. they pound you, they, they, they attack you. All right. And they attack you in any way that they can, going to your administrators, going to other parents, starting posses. Those are the ones to watch out for. Those are the ones to be afraid of because you know what? You never know what you're going to expect from them. But the other ones, you know who those parents are. They sit in the stand. They yell at the umpire. You know, this topic is perfect. And, you know, you talked about NIL. You know, that's a problem today. Even though I think it's the right of the players – I think they're getting too much money. I mean, you know, I promised a girl on my team an NIL benefit. I, I promised her a year's free McDonald's, <laughs> you know, and she loved it. You know, so when you talk about this stuff, I'm going to tell you parents, and I know Rick's going to get on my case about this. I know you're going to get on my case. Pick up the book The Sports Parenting Is. Well, it's, because it's, it is a guide yeah. to the right way to be, how to guide your children, how to act at games. It's you know it's
2: a lesson in itself, and, Jack let me you know I loved the, it, I the, thought it was great. Let me stop you there because I got other calls, but I will tell you that, and thank you. you don't have to, I mean people are going to think that I you know you come on the air just to to promote my books. That's not the case at all, but thank you for your kind words the The other thing though when the submarine parent Jack gets a good point of that he says as 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 parents sports parents sit in the stands and they're polite and quiet, but they realize that it may be at some point. A question asked, is the coach going to play my kid or play this other kid? And that's when things get a little hairy because sports parents have to make a decision as adults as to how they're going to react with this in terms of setting the right standards for their kids when they're competing against other teammates in terms of playing time and uh, other other accolades. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's go to... Um, Let's go to Rob Freed over in Lake Success. Hey, Rob, good morning. You're up next on The Fan. Rick,
5: good morning. First, before we get on here, Jack, always, always a pleasure to listen to. I'm going to go a different direction with, with, with 10 years down the line. But I want to talk about last week, just bringing it up quickly, my alma mater, Adelphi. You know, Rick... People that are listening, Rick, we would—I was talking to him and letting him know, like uh, Ron Davies, who was the coach prior to the coach you had on last week, right. passed away. And you competed against him when you were at Mercy uh, as, as a coach. And Joe Sambito, the uh, Houston Astros, came out of that program. And right. you know, Ron was a great guy. You and, and Rick played against him, and you know, you're always so humble, Rick. You had such a great professional career. You made it to the minors. You made you became a professional athlete, and that's why. I I, I admire you. I listen to you, and and I and I and I get it. Uh, And thank you so much for having him on. He'd be great for talking about baseball recruiting. This is something that you know really you could really touch on, but maybe for a future date because if parents want to know how how does a coach, a local coach, find the kids, and that's something for the future. I want to go into the crystal ball and think about. 10 years down the line, because Jack is touching today, number one, we need a commissioner. We need, we need a guide, someone who's going to control state by state i I talked about the city my dad with the psal running the football program he did that in the city each sport has a commissioner we need a state run situation and that's up in albany you're the perfect guy for it and that that that's that's along those lines we talked that a million times i brought that up but i see going forward rick in the future with society okay right now sports at, at, at the high school level are dying. The club level is it's for the rich kid. Now, the parents going forward, the 35-year-old parent right now who's got a 2-year-old, okay, and then when they become 8, 9, 10 years old, are they going to have the money? Are they going to have the time? Because they're, they're young, starting their own life right now, working hard in society to try to, you know, to try to make a living. Are they going to be able to give the time to their kids? I see what's going to happen down the line right now in Great Neck. And I live in a, a nice community. We don't have a football team anymore, okay? They, the kids just don't, they don't want to play football. They, they're going into other things. They're, they're spending time at academics. A lot of other sports are picking up. Believe it or not, our baseball team is dying. We, don't even, we, we can't even feel the baseball team right now well, in, Rob, my, in the great net community.
2: Let me stop I, you there because I, I agree with you that, as I said a few minutes ago, you know, sports and the interest in sports, you know, the ebb and flow, they're not there forever. For You mentioned, like, okay, like football. You know, in that particular high school, well, there's not enough interest for the kids who want to play football. Maybe it's because of the parents' concerns about concussions. That's really what it is. Okay. <laughs> or, or you know, you can make a case that, well, boxing, 50 years ago, boxing was a big, big Big deal. It's not so much it, was, small. it
5: an Olympic sport. I was there in 76 in, in Montreal with my dad, and, and I walked into Sugar Ray Leonard walking around, and he was getting interviewed. This, I, I don't even think it's an Olympic sport anymore. <laughs> it, 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 but going forward, I think the motivated kid, Rick, and here's what I want to leave. Listen, I'm going out to do a 20-mile run at 62 years old because I got the Boston Marathon in seven weeks, and it, it's, it's part of my genetic internal being
2: correct right. and and, and
5: the, the motivated kid will always be there forever but i think go, and and that's really i believe this could be a resurgence for the high school because the travel teams well, it's going to be for the rich only going forward, and I, they're going to spring up, and they're going to basically die. I could be wrong. I'm looking well, the I, I think
2: this is going to be the telltale sign. And, and, and Rob, I agree. With you. Thank you, thank you for the call, as always. The question is going to be as the as the travel teams and club teams continue to sort of migrate and get more and more expensive. Are they going to basically put themselves out of business and more more kids say, no, I'm going to go back to my high school program? Only time will tell. But the question is, do sports parents want to get involved and figure out what's the best way? What's the best way going forward in terms of the, the next generation of athletes? Because it's happening on a daily basis. Let's, uh, let's go move on. Let's go to uh, Clifton Park. Jared is standing by. Hey, Jared. Good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. How you doing? Can you
0: hear me okay?
2: Yeah, I sure can. Go ahead, Jared.
0: Uh, hey, thanks. Actually, I'm on my way to Connecticut right now for a prospect day for lacrosse. So, I live and breathe what you guys are talking about probably for the last, I mean, it's got to be 10, if not longer, 12 years. Yep. And it's a couple things. You know, when you, when you talk about what, it's, what is it going to look like 10 years from now, my hope is that um, the parents living vicariously through their children, um, is curved like in other words there has to be <clears throat> excuse me like a governing body that has implications <clears throat> for parents that get out of control um you know whether it's through the club um the, the coaches on the sideline that are policing the activity or from the high school level the coaches or even the modified or you know um even younger kids the, The coaches have to police some of this. I know in our area, um, you know, we're spoken to by our coaches, right? We're we're told, hey, listen, we're lucky we get refs. Refs aren't paid a lot of money. Have respect for the referees. Have respect for the kids out there. You know, we're policing our own communities, and I think that's got to be trickled down to other areas. I mean, I've got many examples. I mean, listen, when my kids first started playing lacrosse, the early age of five, I'm originally from Long Island, um, you know, I was, I was that guy at, at times, like, Yeah, you know, and you know, positive stuff, but you get built into the drama, right? So it's, it's living vicariously through your kids, the drama, and then it's the future forward thinking of, oh, is my kid going to be playing D1 at two? Like, you know, the one, the best, the best advice I was given <clears throat> early on from a coach that um, used to be a professional lacrosse player, too was I had asked him, I said, you know, looking at my kids, where do you think they'll end off? And his best example, and he coached my kids, his best response was exactly where they're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: so, so that's a great so, answer. And, and and he's right. He's a right. I mean because and Jared I gotta take a break, but thank you for, for sharing that story yeah because as much as sports parents you know want so badly for their kid to be a superstar and to progress and keep climbing up that that uh that ladder of of, of competition, the fact is as Jared said, and that coach said, "Well, how good is my kid? Is my kid going to be a uh, you know on the way up Your kid will end up according to what his or her abilities are, and that's the truth because again, the sports parents today. And I know, cause <laughs> I've been a sports parent. You get so revved up and so focused on doing the right thing and making sure you're giving your kid every opportunity to keep playing their sport. But in the end of the day, it's not about you as a sports parent. It's about the kid and what the kid wants to do. And again, I, I you know, Jared was talking about the fact that yes, you know, lacrosse. There's always meetings. There's uh, coaches are telling the parents, "Look, we do all that already," but it doesn't seem to be having any real major impact, because I don't care where you go in this country, uh, any state, any school, there's always crazy parents who feel that somehow they have the right to be heard and be seen and acted in a very obnoxious way at their kids' uh, sporting events. And it used to be just at the high school level, now it's all trickled down to the middle school level, which is even crazier. But that's where we are, and we have to do something to maintain a sense of respect of civility, of sportsmanship. We've got to take it back from this. And I guess, I, I know it's a small percentage of parents who do this, but over the course of a percentage here, a percentage there, it turns out to be millions of people. We've got to sort of do something to set the role straight so everybody knows what's expected of them. There is zero tolerance. You don't get a second chance, and that's the way it should be. All right, let me let me take a time out here. We're talking about what are sports going to be like in the year 2033, 10 years from now, because right now we got a lot of problems, a lot of problems. And I just don't see anything coming together here, whether it's legislation or a commission of, of youth sports or somebody somewhere saying, let's get this act together as simple as that. Okay, 877-337-6666, that is our number here at The Fan. When I come back, we'll go right back to your calls. Stay with me. Just a uh, quick reminder, you can always uh, follow me on Twitter, at Ask Coach Wolf. Uh, my show my show each Sunday is posted as a podcast on both wfan.com uh, as well as as a blog on askcoachwolf.com. If you miss an episode, you can always find it there, the show in its entirety. Again, wfan.com or at askcoachwolf.com. And of course, you can always track me down at my website askcoachwolf.com. We're talking this morning about what will youth and amateur sports look like in 10 years if we continue down the current path and it's it's a very sobering kind of situation simple as that you look at the headlines every day in the world of sports and these are kids and and whether it's influence of money or the dreams of parents for the kids or, or what is going on but we seem to have sort of you know in our pursuit of fun and glory and having a good time we've sort of gotten des- des- you know derailed by what should be the right things to do with our kids uh, let's get back to our calls let's go to um Let's go to Ed Ward over to Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good
6: morning, Rick. How you doing?
2: Good, Ed. What's up?
6: Here's my prediction. Within five years, if the zero tolerance law is not put in, you won't see fans at high school games. All high school games will be live streamed.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's something that uh, has been sort of bounced around, which will obviously be the worst thing in the world because we want our high school kids to be able to a chance to play in front of their parents and their friends and, you know, classmates. But if we can't have zero tolerance, then yeah, all these sporting events will be played in front of uh, empty seats. Nobody will be allowed well, to go. Here's
6: one. I was at I was at a state tournament game this week, and uh, it, it was a it was a well played game. Uh, the officials did a great job. The, the type of game that they called, they let the kids play. Yep. But it was there was a situation with the team that's playing defense. They took a charge. The referees the referee chose no call on the play. Okay. They, so the team got the rebound, they're going on a break, and a parents from that team that was on defense that's going on a break now made a comment. The referee stopped the game in the middle of a fast break and told the parent, one more word, you're done. Not only that, Rick, now the AD gets goes to the center, gets the microphone and goes to the center court and addresses the whole crowd and said like this, here's the situation. If the referee stops the game again, or any of my people that are security going to the crowd, we are clearing this gym. No it's ands, or buts. We don't we don't care what the situation is. We're not tolerating with, with the way you with the, with, the, with the way you fans act. Yep. The rest of the game, you felt like you were at an opera. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, the you know, fans were cheering, but it wasn't like belligerent and all that
2: stuff. But and so, that's Ed, that's, I'm glad you brought up that example because that is exactly what we're looking at here where it's just going to be stop the game, the AD comes out, there's going to be the referee stops the game, zero tolerance, and that's how it's going to be, friends, or this game is going to be ended or we're going to clear the gym, and that's going to be the life, and it's, that's going to be happening more and more in just the next few years if we want to retain high school sports. Simple as that.
6: Another thing, you made, you made a statement about high, high school uh, Kids now maybe going to play more travel ball and all that stuff. Yeah. Let me tell you something there too, Rick. The parents aren't no angels there either. I can tell you that for (laughs) a fact. So uh, the point the point is now, what do you do if you if you if you're running an event or what? You got to hire more security to control the parents. I mean, this is
2: uh, Ed. It's uh, it's you're absolutely right. If if and I, I always try to remind parents when your kid is going to play for a club team or a travel team, you understand you've left the the protective quote unquote protective domain of the high school. This is a for profit enterprise so these these people run the programs, and there are a lot of them who are very, very good and are very, very kind, but a lot of them are not so kind, but they can pretty much tell you you know what 's going to cost, what they're going to charge you, and so on and so forth and if you don 't like what's happening in terms of your kids' instruction or playing time, or whatever, then you don't have much to, to, to complain to because it's you, you joined of your own volition. And you may get some of your money back, but chances are you won't. It's just it's parents just don't understand how difficult this is because that's the way it is today in terms of trying to get to the next level in terms of amateur sports. And and Ed, Ed thank you for calling in this morning because, I as I said, this is what we're now confronting. This is where we are, and that's that's a concern. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to Ralph at Manhattan. Hey, Ralph. Good morning. You're on the fan.
7: Rick, what Rick? What's happening? You know, uh, just a point you made in passing about the NFL and about football in general. Yeah. You know, if any if any parent thinks that they're going to uh, send their kid out on a football field, he's going to come back um, intact. They gotta be kidding, because that game cannot be played safely. A concussion is inevitable at every turn. And uh, you know, that's that's one thing I wanted to get out of the way before I get on to my next point. But uh as far as the and, and as actually I, I wonder about parents that actually think that somehow that their 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 kid is not going to come away un is going to come away unscathed after playing that game. I, I have no idea why they think they can uh, provide a safety factor or something to play, a helmet or pads or whatever the case may be. Not going to happen. Um, you know, as far as the whole thing goes, many parents do it right. They do it well. They stay out of the kids' business, the coaches' business, and they sit aside from the others that are screaming their, their heads off. So most parents do it right. I think we've gone so far Away from any kind of sensibility that I don't think we can ever return, Rick. I think we've gone uh, so so far afield from what uh, parenting used to be. Uh, I don't think we can come back uh, with any kind of semblance of what what was, uh, maybe well, in our day in your day.
2: Yeah, Ralph, I I think uh, that's the concern, and and. Um... Yeah, maybe we've let this go too long, too far. And as you said, and I just want to again underscore this: most parents get this; they understand it. They act as as adults, and they go to the games to applaud and cheer their kids and the other kids. But they don't get profane, they don't get obnoxious, they don't get in the uh, threaten the refs and that kind of stuff. But they do exist. There's a certain percentage of parents who are like this, and the problem is that if you're a a, a good adult at a game. And you're trying to enjoy the game, and you see one of your other parents who is going nuts, um, do you feel like you have to you know is it up on you as to then go find a security officer and say "This parent is out of control because that that parent may be a friend or neighbors of yours it It's really very, very difficult to try to enforce this, and as to your point, maybe this is always going to be there. But again, I still believe perhaps the best way to approach this is to just have zero tolerance and to make this clear over and over and over again so the parents can't say, oh, I didn't hear that. I wasn't aware that That was the the new rule in our school district. I, I just I think that's the way it's gonna have to be. Simple as that, Ralph.
7: You know? Yeah, Rick, my my, my my father would um you know, Ed said something very telling. He would let me sit and think about what took place on the field, not come down on me so quickly, just let me kind of stew in my own juices if you will <laughs> and then i would real, i would realize the error of my ways he wouldn't even have to say anything i'd feel guilty and come out to my father and say you know dad i'm sorry i acted like an idiot on the field bear and he'd say just nod his head yeah. and that was that and that's the beauty of it
2: yeah it is uh, kids do learn but somebody's got to sort of set, set them in the right right direction so they can learn. Simple as that. Hey, Ralph, thank you for the call. As always, appreciate it. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to a Paul. He is in Manhattan this morning. Hey, Paul, good morning. You're on the phone. Hey, good morning,
8: Rick. Uh, first, first off, uh, I want to send, send regards from Al Goldis. I know you know Al real well, and I speak to Al on a regular basis, and uh, He's, uh, he's a, a tremendous guy who's influenced a lot of people. And, Al, uh, Al Goldis guy.
2: is a, a legendary baseball scout. I had the very good fortune uh, to play for Al in the summer leagues in the Atlantic Collegiate Baseball League. And um, he basically, I would say to Al, look, Al, I was a great, great high school baseball hitter and hit well in college. And he said, well, that's all nice, Rick. I'm glad it has some nice scrapbooks. But the fact is, if you want to go to the next level, you are going to have to basically reinvent your swing because you're not going to be hit faster pitching. And he was right. And it took a long time and I was fortunate <laughs> enough to, to play pro ball. I spoke to Al myself yeah. not too long ago. He is a tremendous, tremendous human being. So Yeah.
8: He's a mentor to a lot of people. I mean, uh, just a tremendous guy, but you know, in, in terms of this, um, where sports are going to be in 10 years, um, I've been a sport, youth sports coach for 25 years. I currently am a volunteer baseball coach at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point out of Long Island. Sure. And I see um, a lot of what you're talking about. Uh, for, the most part, for the most part, parents are pretty good. For the most part, parents are pretty good. But there's always an element there where they always think that their child should be playing more. And that's a very tough decision, and I think a lot of it comes down to to a coach being able to, you know, talk his, have a, have a conversation with parents about youth sports in terms of what I did from fifth grade to eighth grade. And you're trying to develop kids. And it's also very difficult because it, at certain points in the game, you know, you got to have certain kids on the court and, you know, so favoritism comes in from the parents sometimes. They, you know, They feel like their kids should be out there. It's a very complicated thing, but in the end, in the end, if you're fair with the kids and you talk to the kids at the beginning of the practice or, and when the season starts and you start to tell them how important practice is and how important you need to come and concentrate for an hour and a half at basketball. And if you don't, that may have, that may have circumstances where you're not going to play as much. And as a coach, you just want to see your kids get better and enjoy themselves. And it's a very, it's a very tough thing. Um, When you've got kids of all different backgrounds and you've got parents who are there who really want to see their kids flourish, but really don't understand the competitiveness sometimes, what it takes to be really good at something. Um, And in the end, you know, I I think 10 years from now, we're still going to see parents, unfortunately. And I'm I'm not for throwing people out of the gym. I think if you sit in a gym and you're sitting next to somebody who's really disruptive is being belligerent, talking to the rest. You've got to pick yourself up and you've got to go to a different section of the, of the, uh, of the, of the bench, uh, you know, in the stands and do the best you can because you know that that behavior is bad. It's
2: wrong. Let me, and, uh, yeah, let me stop you, you know, there because you've done a nice overview of all this and show how complicated and how complex all this is. And thank you so much for the call this morning. Um, yes, this is the problem. It is complicated, and and again, you're sitting in the stands, whether it's a basketball game, lacrosse game, tennis match, uh, you name the sport, it's all these parents are obviously intent on watching their kids and want their kids to do well. The issue is, how are you, and this is where I have a problem. If you are a grown-up, if you're an adult, okay, we know you, you want to see your kid do well in sports, but you're going to have to understand that when you walk into that that, uh, that arena, or that venue, or that field, or that ice hockey rink, you have to understand you got to act as a grown-up, as an adult, and you've got to understand that you have to behave like a grown-up. Yes, you're going to be, your heart is going to be broken. You're going to be angry that your kid's not getting enough playing time, or maybe you think he's better than the kid who's playing ahead of him. Whatever it might be, the fact is, that's, that's what happens in, in the world of sports. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Not just, it's not just happening to you and your son or your daughter. Everybody knows that. We know you can't make out the lineup for the game because it's not your job. You're either to support your son or daughter. So that's where it starts. And I do think we need to somehow reinforce and rebuttress where we are today in terms of parental behavior until it's hammered in so many times to the, mo- the moms and dads who go watch their kids play sports that they finally realize, yeah, I guess they aren't kidding around. There will be zero tolerance and I can't say things or say or make comments or or threaten the referees and officials or the coaches. That's where we are today. And I think the time has come to really step up and get this done. Okay. Mark Melusis is up next here in the fan. My thanks of course to Ed Orzuman. I'll see you next Sunday, 8 a.m. right here on the Sports Edge.